Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on John, Believe. John chapter 9. And let me say this as we dive into this text today. One of the hardest things in life for me, for me personally, as I kind of look back over the years of my own narrative and journey, one of the hardest things for me is to see children suffer. That's a hard thing. And then to see the moms, the dads, the siblings, and friends, to see the pain and the heartache that can exist inside of the human heart when a child suffers. It's, it's heartbreaking. To see a child uh, suffer and to see a child die it's got to be one of the most devastating things that a mom or dad could ever go through. And I've walked with people during their narratives, and I'm like, man, what a painful journey that is. And uh, so many people, and I've heard this from the time I came to faith, so many people struggle with the question, why does God allow kids to suffer? I've seen people abandon the faith. I've seen people walk away from the faith. I've seen people hurt and just struggle and disconnect. And I've seen divorces take place. And I've seen all kinds of trauma when kids struggle and kids potentially die. Now, in our space, even here, I watch kids battle different sicknesses and illnesses. Our text today is going to deal with blindness. We've got two kids in our church, Ella and her brother Austin. Ella's a beautiful little girl, about 14, 15 years old, and she's blind. And she's here pretty much every week. She's not here today because she's with our youth at Snowbird. And she's involved with them. And whatever they're doing up there, bungee jumping and doing whatever, she gets right there in the middle of it, and everybody just pulls for Ella. Beautiful thing. Austin, her brother, uh, good-looking kid, sharp, but the distortion that could potentially lead to blindness for him. Uh, he may never drive. Uh, he, he could potentially get to the place where he couldn't see uh, anything. But I, I look at that and go, man, look at that. We've dealt with cancer. My friends Jeff and Jamie. Gwen, uh, their son Levi died uh, when he was right at five years old, and we've named our kids' hallway uh, Levi's legacy in honor of, of Levi. But we look at kids who struggle with autism and different types of sicknesses and illnesses, uh, Down syndrome, diabetes. I think of my buddy Will, love Will, and uh, Will battles a certain set of illnesses, if you will. Uh, I think of... Uh, Addie, she's a little girl. She's beautiful. She's a diabetic. Uh, she's, got, she's got diabetes, and she's got a pump stuck in her all the time, and she's really felt the, the ruins of that. Little dude, Brightston, if you get a chance to work with kids, and it's one of Hannah's, my little daughter, uh, when she works in there, Brightston is a little Down syndrome dude, but he's one of the cutest kids that walks in here, and I'm like, man, look at that. Uh, for our family, it's been CF. I mean, that's a whole new thing of trying to figure out what cystic fibrosis is. And Caleb, my son, started a T-shirt brand, Breathe Love. And I'm like, I'm going to wear a Breathe Love shirt today. Uh, just again to bring uh, to my mind, again, the pain that so many other people do experience. And here's what we know. 
when you, uh, when you have a child with illness and sickness and all that, you've got a new normal that you never dreamed of having. And I've seen marriages, again, it's like, man, this is not what we were planning on. I mean, it's difficult. And every sickness and every illness has its own uh, set of challenges. For me, I personally believe, and I want you to hear this loud and clear, back to the struggle. I believe that sin that entered into the equation in Genesis chapter 3, sin disrupted humanity at every level. So every person is born into the world with deficiencies. Some are just a little more elevated or a little more painful to work through. But when I was born into the world, my body started dying the day I was born because I was born with some defections. And I battle certain things myself. So do you. Everybody's got something that's not totally right. And sin jacked us all up. And it is a reminder to me not to run from God, but to press into the Lord. And Steve, as I look around, brother, again, I'm reminded I need Jesus every day. I need his help every day. I need his strength every day. I, I can't do it on my own. And, and I think about this. And I, I, want you to, I want you to think about this. If you truly want to reflect Jesus to your world, notice the people around you with disabilities. See them. Engage. Love on them. Love on the families. Take action. Do something. I don't even know what to say. Doesn't matter. Engage with people that are hurting. Love on people. That's where we kind of pick this up here. John chapter 9, verse 1. Listen to how it starts. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? Jesus said, it's not that this man sinned or his parents. I would highlight this, but that, but that, but that. Why is he born blind? It's not about that. It's happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. He goes on to say, we must work the works of the the one who sent me while it's called day. Night's coming when no one can work. But as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world, guys. He goes on to say, having said this, he spit on the ground, made mud with a saliva. He anointed the man's eyes with mud and said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. Scripture says, he went and washed and he came back seeing. Now, fill me on this. Jesus saw. Jesus engaged. The only reason the disciples factor in with their statement is because Jesus observed. Jesus stopped. Jesus engaged. Jesus initiated. We, I believe with all my heart, must have eyes that see. We must have eyes that observe what's going on around us. We need to walk into spaces and just take inventory and look around. God, what, what do you want me to see here? What do you want me to do here? Because if we really see with the eyes of Christ and observe with the compassion of Christ, we will take action and engage in other people's narratives. That's the heartbeat of the gospel. It is us taking and reflecting the goodness of Christ to our world. The disciples, hey, Jesus, hey, uh, 
based on this situation you just uh, started dealing with, who, who messed it up? Who screwed it up? Who sinned? Uh, who, who, who jacked this up right here that he was born blind? And in that day, sickness was associated with sin. And so the assumption that many would make, even in Jesus' day, if you've got a sickness or something's going on, somebody else jacked it up. And Jesus stops, and this is the crucial point for me. Jesus stops and looks at the disciples and says, do not think cause. Think purpose. If you think cause, you're going to end up drifting toward blaming. And a lot of times when we see sickness, illness, and things that are coming off the rails, we want to blame somebody. Deflection is the way humanity today deals with so much trauma and tension. But Jesus stops and says, guys, stop it. Do not think cause. I want you to think purpose. The purpose is so that the works of God and the glory of God can be manifested in this situation. And if we can shift our mindset when we're starting to engage with whatever the scenario and eliminate blame and eliminate cause, well, I know why this person is this way, or I know why uh, they've leaned into what, think purpose. How can we bring God glory, and how can this situation that we're dealing with ultimately bring glory to God? Jesus said, we must work the works of him who sent me. There's purpose, there's redemption, there's hope right here. And I want you to think about that even as you go through your day, even as you go through this week. When you are dealing with certain individuals, I want you to think purpose, not cause. Because again, when we enter into the cause mindset, we blame. And blame opens the door to deflection. And Jesus said, guys, we have kingdom work to do right here. We have purpose. And as you study the gospel, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. what's the purpose? We're going to confront shame. We're, we're going to confront shame. We're going to fight religion. We're going to model righteousness. We're going to bring healing to the brokenhearted. We're, we're going to love our neighbor. We're going to give life, offer hope, and Jesus ultimately will die a criminal's death. Guys, we've got a purpose for being here. I've come, I've come to set the captive free. I, I, I have been born to die a criminal's death. I want you to think purpose. Then, if that be the truth, then we have to, I believe, ask the question, what is the vision I have for my life? What do I see my fundamental purpose for being on the planet? And then what is the vision that God has given me to walk with him as well as to walk out the gospel as well as to extend the gospel to the nations? What is God's vision for your life? If you had to write it down and articulate, here is the vision that God has given me for my life, what would it be? How do you live it out in your home, in your workplace? How do you live it out no matter where you're at? Because when you start to think, Jesus comes, bam, he speaks to this dude, spits on the ground, go down to the pool of Siloam, wash your eyes, he comes back seeing What's happening? God's power will transform your vision. 
And if your vision hasn't been transformed, then you have to ask the question, have I experienced God's power? God's power will always lead to a transformation of vision. You can't live for yourself. You can't be consumed with the world. You cannot live just a materialistic life if you've got the power of God. Because the power of God will always lead us to expand the kingdom. How can I use my time, my talents, my treasures, my resources? How can I leverage what God has given me to advance the kingdom? Now, here's something I, I would call you to kind of ponder as well. A person who speaks what he knows and lives what he speaks will attract followers. We live in a culture where people talk but don't walk. And it's been said that what you're doing speaks so loud, I can't even hear what you're saying. A person who speaks what he knows, but yet he lives what he speaks, will attract followers. And this young man that was once blind, who is now seeing, started to attract some followers, some crowd. People started like coming into him and paying attention to him. And, and some would say, uh, that, that, that's not him, that, that's totally somebody else, that, that, that's not him. He don't even look the same. It's, no. And then they started, uh, well, if it is him who touched him, and whoever touched him did it on the Sabbath, so he's broke the law. So they come and they bombard this dude. Hey, man, that's not you. And if you get to verse 25, here's what he continues to echo. Hey, it is me, and one thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. One thing I know, I was blind, and now I see. And what this young man, I believe, is basically saying to those who are harassing him, hey, 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 l listen, does it really matter who touched me? Does it really matter what day he touched me? Does it really matter that it's the Sabbath? Do you not understand that for 20-something years, I've been blind and now I can see? You're not going to rejoice with the fact that I can see? And there's some people, when you start to have a God-style vision for your life, they will not like you, Ronnie. They'll start to attack you because they want you to see how they see. But as Oswald Sanders in his book on leadership said, eyes that look are common, but eyes that see are rare. Eyes that see are rare. Helen Keller, the great quote was, what could possibly be worse than being born blind? And she said, having sight, but yet having no vision. And there's a lot of people that have sight that don't have vision. But when the power of the gospel starts to take root inside of you, it changes how you see life, how you're to live it, how you're to do marriage, how you're to do parenting, how you're to do every aspect of it. And I, I, I ask you, please, over the next days, take some time and say, all right, what is my vision? Here's another one-liner for you. It's important to know what you're talking about, but it's essential to be what you're talking about. You've got to be, you've got to be living it out and modeling it. And so to me, be what you're talking about is the resolve of living a life of true authentic authenticity. When I came here, just hear me, when I came here in January of 2011 and started, I had never pastored a local church. 
Never lived life inside of a local church, week in and week, week out. Now, I had pastored, and I was a shepherd of leading others. I had mentored, and I had discipled, and I had led Bible studies and all this. But I had never been in this space of a local church. But let me tell you what I was convinced of. I was convinced that what worked in a locker room and what worked in the living room of people's homes, I was, work, I was convinced that that philosophy of doing ministry would work anywhere. I'm like, this is the way you do ministry. It doesn't matter if you've got one person, if you've got 10 people, if you've got uh, 1,000 people. It doesn't matter. And so here, here was the mindset for me. So I came here in January of 2011. It's so important for you to hear this because some of you have been here for three weeks and some for three months and, and, and some for three years. And you're like, okay, so how did this thing start? What was your vision? It was this. Be real. Be relational. Be reverent. Be real. Be who I've made you to be. Tim, you were born an original. Don't die a copy. I am an original God. I don't want you to try to duplicate what anybody else is doing. I am an originator, not a duplicator. I want you to walk with me. Okay, I want to walk with transparency and be real. I want you to be relational. Genuinely love and care about other people. That's what this church has got to be built on. I'm like, okay. And then it was be reverent, teach the word of God, honor Jesus Christ. Allow that to be foundational with everything you do. So I remember writing this out going, all right. So, Lord, this church is a triage unit when I get here. This church has experienced great abandonment, betrayal. They don't even like each other, much less trust anybody. And God goes, you can, you can, you can move toward getting people to trust you, but here's what it's going to take. Speak the truth in love. Truth, truth, truth. Build the ministry on truth. Do it over a period of time. Do it with transparency. People will start to trust you. If people like you, you get their attention. But if people trust you, you'll end up getting their action. So, Steve, we've been doing this for nine plus years now. And it's like, as you look at it, truth plus time plus transparency will lead to trust. And so, maybe that's you. How can I get people to trust me? It's going to require that you walk in truth for a period of time with total transparency. Once that starts to happen, Russell, people will look at you. Steve, they will look at you and they go, I trust him now. Yeah, there was all this stuff that's happened in the narrative of, of, of the past that have violated. And, and, and I didn't even like the dude. I didn't want to be around him. But you go, I trust him now. Because there's been truth being lived out over a period of time with transparency. And you go, I, I trust that person. So when, when I came here, here was our aim. Our aim was we wanted to create our vision was to be a community that was a restoration community. We wanted to see broken lives restored. So the two verses that were fundamental, 1 Timothy 1.5, Titus 1.5. 1 Timothy 1.5, the goal of our instruction is to love with a pure heart, good conscience, and sincere faith. Love those people. Make sure your heart's right. They can't do anything to add value to your life. Y'all can do life together. Y'all can do a lot together. But you're not looking for anybody to fix you or complete you. You're, you're, you're complete in who I am, Tim. Yes. But love people. Titus 1.5. He says, Titus, I sent you to Crete so that you would straighten out some things that were left undone. 
The word straighten out is the word ortho in the Greek, and that's where we get the orthoscopic, orthodontist, etc. I sent you there to straighten out some things. So there were a lot of things undone when I got here. My friend Kim was on staff before I got here, and she knows a lot of what had happened in the past. But I felt like the Lord said, love? Now, we're going to have to straighten out some things. Now, what, 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 what do we focus on? I want you to be the place where blind eyes can be open and people can experience healing. Wrote it out. Blinded eyes having a chance to really be open and people walking out of the dark and out of blindness into light, I want you to be that place. I want you to be the church where repentance and confession and brokenness and surrender is the norm. Everybody lives in a repentant posture of heart, confessing, broken, surrendered state. Create that. Be a part of allowing me to move into that space. So we worked our tails off, praying through it, and going, you know what? God has called us to be a restoration ministry where blinded eyes could be opened, where people would have a place to confess and repent, and there's no shame in the game. We've just got to embrace Christ. I'm like, all right, I want to be a part of that. All right, Tim, you're going to have to build a team that's kingdom-focused and Jesus-centered. It's all about my kingdom. It's not about the cross-Loganville kingdom. It's about my kingdom, and it's about Christ being elevated, celebrated, and known. This is what you got to do. No spectators. All participators. Everybody, if they're going to be a part of the team and community, everybody gives. Everybody serves. Everybody loves. That's right. And, and, and I can honestly tell you that the greatest critiques that I get are not from those in the game sweating it out and playing hard every day. The greatest critiques that you get are from those who are sitting on the bench. They don't give. They rob God. But they want to tell you where you're going wrong. They don't serve. They don't give a dime because they don't give a care. That's King James. <laughs> and that's where you get it. Everybody serves. Everybody gives. Everybody loves. Everybody participates. If you can build on this foundation that you're really a team and you're working together, no spectators. It's like, all right? So as a result of everyone being committed and connected, just simple, simple. Keep it simple, Tim. Keep it simple. 2 Corinthians 11.3 is an anchor in my journey. And Paul writes and he says, I'm afraid, just as the serpent tempted Eve with his craftiness, I'm afraid that your minds would be led astray from simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Tim, the only way a body of believers can flourish is they've got to stay simple and pure in their devotion to Christ. Devotion, steadfast single-mindedness to a course of action. You can't get off track. Just keep it simple. What else? Continue to preach and elevate sanctifying Christ as Lord. 1 Peter 3.15. Sanctify Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. Always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have within you, yet do it with incredible, incredible reverence toward God and gentleness toward others. Sanctify Christ. Okay. What else? Share life with others. Get people involved in community life. Okay. Hebrews 10, do not forsake assembling, as some are in the habit of doing. And so Sunday worship, 
That's one of our values. Small groups, one of our values. Serving. Why? Because you live life in community. What else? Help people understand that the mindset is to struggle well. We all struggle. Every one of us struggle. I struggle, you struggle. None of us are above struggling. The problem is most people don't know how to struggle well. And Paul said in Philippians 3, not that I've already obtained it, not that I've already become perfect, but this one thing I do, I forget what lies behind, and I'm pressing, pressing, pressing into what is ahead. Hey, we're going to fall forward. We're going to learn to struggle well. Here would be my ask. Are you committed to that? Simple and pure devotion. Sanctifying Christ. Doing life with others. Struggling well. Everybody commits. Everybody connects. Everybody participates. There's no sitting on the sidelines just watching the game. We're a part of it. That's who we are. So as you think through that, again, this church was blind. But now it sees. This church had no vision, but now it sees. This church was off the trail and off the rail. Now it sees. And it's because of the Holy Spirit having freedom to work in people's lives. I remember back when I was first introduced at the end of 2010. This is our new leader, our new lead pastor. And I stood that morning, and I'll never forget going, hey guys, there's no new leader. Jesus Christ is the leader. I'm just one brother amongst the body. There's no new leader. The real leader got lost somewhere in the shuffle, but I'm here to reintroduce, Schmack. We're going to reintroduce Jesus as the leader. Don't follow Tim. Don't follow Nick. Don't follow Steve. Don't follow Dustin. There's only one leader. And the line in following Jesus is one deep. He never says, follow Tim, who's following Nick, who's following me. He goes, you John, come follow me. Jack, come follow me. Crystal, come follow me. Juan, you follow me. Here we, here we go. So the Cross Loganville, this is so important for you to hear, is a community of Christ followers that are committed to discovering, celebrating, and struggling with who God is, who he's made us to be, and how to live life in a way that honors him. That's who we are. We encourage, to pe uh, we encourage our people to think, to ponder, to reason. What does the life of an authentic disciple really look like? We challenge our people to step into something greater than themselves. People who partner with the cross believe in our raw, real, transparent DNA. The love of God motivates us to extend the gospel to other people. This is not. This is not our own little separate entity, and it's just for me and my wife and just the, the, the gospel, the love of Jesus motivates us to infiltrate Loganville and the nations with the gospel, to take it throughout the world. Why? So that others may know the hope and freedom that's found only in Jesus, only in Christ. Jesus' message and story matters. We believe that every person we meet, their story matters. That's why you'll hear us say, your story matters. But your story only matters within the context of who Jesus is. We personally believe that God desires to bring transformation in every person's life. Every person. We believe, Ronnie, his message is best extended through reaching those who are lost, reaching those who are hurting, reaching the discouraged, 
reaching those who are disengaged. Thursday night, Butch, one of the guys who uh, helps uh, spearhead our recovery ministry with my buddy Richard here. Uh, about two weeks ago, uh, Butch sent me a note and said, so-and-so is going to be sharing his testimony. He's, uh, he's been about two years clean now, and we're celebrating what God's doing in his life. Love for you to come. I'm like, I'm in. So, Richard, I go in there the other night to recovery at the cross, and uh, there's probably 35, 40 people in that room that night. I was like, man, what a good space this is. But this young man shared about his addiction. He shared about uh, the, the overdoses. He shared about how marijuana was a gateway drug that ultimately led to living in the bluffs in Atlanta, shooting up heroin and bouncing from abandoned home to abandoned home to when he was finally hospitalized. He's like, I, I, I'm going to die. And he didn't want to die. He wanted to live, but he couldn't live on his own power anymore because he didn't like himself. He didn't trust himself. And it was in the hospital that he cries out to Jesus. And I'm sitting in that room the other night, brother, as you kicked it off, Richard, and hurting people that had been disengaged, discouraged, beat down. And let me say this to you. Thursday night, 7 p.m., it will do your heart some good. Attend recovery at the cross. Well, Tim, I'm not an addict. You've got issues. Your tassel's not turned. Whether it's anger, whether it's bitterness, whatever it is, it's a place for the broken. And being able to just sit there and listen to people's stories. And I'll go in there a couple times a year. And I just want to sit there. And I'm like, when Richard and Butch, when we sat down a few years back, it's like, man, we can do this here. We can have the Cross Loganville, a Christ-centered 12-step recovery program, Richard. We can do it. And to see the healing that's taken place in that room over the years. And to see the restoration of life. What are you saying? I'm committed to reaching lost people. People disengaged. People that are beat up. And as a church, that's where we've got to continue to move. We're not going to build a bigger building for us. We're not going to do it. We'll fill it up, and if it completely fills up, then we'll fill it up again. And if it fills up again, we'll do it more and more services. I'm not going to spend the money to build just a bunch of stuff. I will pour money into ministry. We will pour money into reaching people. But we're committed to reaching people with the gospel. Here's another one. We are committed to teaching the word of God as being foundational for spiritual growth. We're not going to come in here and teach out of the book of opinions, the book of speculation. We're not trying to be cute. Our desire is to be Christ-like. We believe the 66 canonized books that we read from Genesis through Revelation is foundational for being taught and teaching others for spiritual growth. We're committed to training. We want to equip disciples that will step out of self-protection and become disciple-makers. We believe that every person that authentically comes to faith in Christ should be growing as a disciple and discipling others. doesn't matter how far into the game you are, but if you're at mile marker three and somebody just gets into the game and they're at mile marker one, you can walk with them. You're another step down the road from where they're at. So every person can be used and every person, their story matters to have impact. We're committed to sending people out into the world. We're going to up that more and more in days to come. 
but we believe that God wants the Cross Loganville to have influence here throughout the counties, Gwinnett, Walton, throughout the state, and throughout the nations. We want to see people jumping on on-ramps, doing missional experiences. I can personally tell you, leaving the soil of Georgia and the U.S., and going to places like the Dominican, and going to places like Venezuela and Bangkok and, and Korea and all these places I've been over the years, it expanded my worldview. Back to purpose. Max Lakeda said, it's impossible to be satisfied with existence once you've tasted purpose. And if you, take, if you really do taste the purpose of the gospel and you get out there and God uses you even to have influence on one, you want to do more of it because you know that you're a part of something bigger than yourself. We are living at a critical time in human history. The gospel is relevant, still relevant, and will always be relevant. Jesus Christ is the only answer. Where your friends and family spend eternity matters. We will be the church that is intentional and serious, that proclaims truth and love, and believe me, it is desperately needed in our world today. Every soul matters. I must answer the question, what will I do? Will I risk it all? Will I go all in? Will I really trust God? Am I willing to be a team player to advance the kingdom of God? Now, we believe that people become contributors to the kingdom of God by experiencing what we call a process of transformation. Now, I want you to think about this, because as I've witnessed and dialogued with so many people over the years, transformation is absolutely crucial inside the heart, but there's things that must take place in your life and in my life if we're going to move to transformation. And so, as you start to look at this, take your phone, take a picture of it, whatever you need to do, but the only way that you'll start to move is you've got to experience these three things in your journey. You've got to reach a place in your life, if you're authentically going to experience Christ's power, you've got to reach a place in your life where you're disgusted with yourself. You're sick of being sick. You're sick of being stuck. You're sick of you trying to call the shots. You're sick of your agenda, strategies, all your stuff, and you're like, I'm sick of me. I am disgusted with me. Great, great place to be. There has to be also inside your heart not only a disgust with self, but a desire to meet God and know God on God's terms. You've got to reach a place where you want to know God. You're not trying to reduce him down to manageable terms. You're not trying to tell God how to be God. All you're doing is saying, God, I've got to know you. I've run from you. Oh, I've added you to a little bit of what I've done here and there, but I've got to know you. I want to know you in your fullness. So if disgust and a desire to meet God on God's terms is, is uh, really existing in your heart, then the third aspect is this. You've got to be willing to disclose the deeper issues of your heart. And whatever those deeper issues are, sin, lust, lying, whatever, uh, unhealthy cravings, things that you still are empowering, if those things are, are, if you're willing to disclose it and lay it before the Lord, let me tell you something. Those three things have to happen then you can commit to Christ because he's jealous and he doesn't share his glory with anyone else. If you're able to reach that place going, I totally commit. I'm surrendered. I'm selling out. You want it all. I want you to champion who I am. 
if that happens, if that happens, then you invite connecting with others in community. You'll go, I need to be in healthy community. I want to have Christ-like community and Christ fellowship in my life. Because you realize that being a Lone Ranger doesn't work and hiding and all that stuff doesn't work. And now you're saying, hey, hey, I'm disgusted. I'm desiring God. If you commit and if you start to connect, you will start to contribute to advance the kingdom. There's a lot of people that never get involved in really advancing the kingdom. I want you to go on this trip. I want you to be a part of this. They're still living in sin. They're still pacifying sin. The lust of the eyes and the lust of flesh and the pride of life is still driving so much of who they are. And I'm like, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. So that's who we are. And we believe that this is a great possibility and probability of people that walk on this campus. Powerful story. This is so cool. This note I got said, God has been working through the cross to show me love, guidance, and support through a very crucial transitional period in my life. The last 18 months have shown me the importance of having Christ in my life and surrendering to his will so that I can be the man he wants me to be. This impact has literally saved my life. And for this, I am forever grateful. I was reading this, Andrew, and I was like, yes. And when we give and when we serve and when we share and when we're a part of it, we get to be a part of this kind of life change. It's like, man, I'm, I'm a part of what God's doing. Jesus is opening blind eyes. Sight's being restored. People are surrendering. Lives are being rocked. I'm like, I want to be a part of that. I want that to be my mission of how I do life. I do. I don't want to be like, how many cars you got? How much money? I want to be a part of advancing God's kingdom. I want to be a part of laying up treasures in heaven. That's who we are as a church. That's what we're going to do. So then I think you've got to ask, who am I reaching right now? Who am I building relationship with? Who, who have I personally invited to Christ? Who have I even invited to the cross? And as we move into Easter, there's going to be an amped up challenge where it's like, take these cards and invite some of your friends. Invite people to be a part of that Easter weekend. Because for a lot of people, that Easter weekend is a door to get them in. And they're like, man, I'm missing something. And you sit with them. You walk with them. And one of the things we're going to do, and I'm going to drive this heavier at the end, but I'm going to encourage you to go through, starting March 16th, 21 days of prayer. And I'll break it down of prayer and fasting and different things. But if you've got the YouVersion Bible app, I mean, it's the most popular one out there. They've got a 21-day prayer thing. I mean, there's the photo of it. Take it. Get on your phone. But starting March 16th, and man, we can do it together as a church. And there's going to be specific things going out to say, let's pray for this. Let's press in. I think on the bulletin today, there's a place there, Rachel, where they can uh, uh, get our daily or weekly text stuff, right? I think it's on there. And if you go, I, I, I'm not getting the text messages the church sends out, make sure you just type in whatever the number is, 855, whatever it is, and say, hey, I, I want to start getting the weekly updates because we're going to up that game during this prayer challenge. But it, Steve, I'm telling you, if we all press into the Lord and get serious about really seeking the heart of God together, yeah, 
I'll hit more of that on the backside, but I'm telling you, it's going to be so crucial. here's, Here's another great email I got. My children and I came to the cross after church hopping for several years. We have finally landed where God intended us to be. When we arrived, I wasn't even sure how to pray or what to say to God. There was this empty space in my heart that nothing seemed to fill. Week after week, I was amazed at the women that offered to pray with me that God would heal my heart. And he did. I feel so surrounded by the love of God at the cross. And I'm reading this going, yes, a single mom who is really struggling to make sense out of life, who's probably got deep feelings of abandonment and rejection. Tim, I don't even know how to talk to God. I don't even know how to pray. I don't even know what to say. And our women, like Rachel, Kim, Barb, whoever, just putting their arm around saying, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll walk with you. Your story matters. And all of a sudden, you see blinded eyes open. It's like, what happened to you? I was blind, but now I see. That guy would say 18 months ago, man, I was blind. But over the last 18 months, I can see. Don't you want to be a part of seeing blinded eyes open and vision restored and people given hope? This is one of our, this is somebody's baby right here. And this came out of our next gen ministry. This girl writes, she goes, before I started my relationship with God, I was a troubled teenager. I partied, drank, was out of control. Going to parties meant I didn't have to be at home to listen to my parents destroy their marriage. My friend invited me to the cross. This is a high school kid seeing another disturbed, just girl that was hurting. Hey, why don't you come to church with me? Why don't you come to church with me? She goes, my friend invited me to the cross. It was like I had found something indescribable. I met Jesus. In just a few months, I've grown so much. I'm like, yes. Every person, it doesn't matter what age you are, It doesn't matter what your geographical location is, whether it's in school, whether it's at work, whatever. Hey, can I I pray for you? You're hurting. Yes. Can can I share what's changed my life? Yeah. People are longing and desperate for hope today. One thing I know, I was blind. Now I see. And I'm so pumped about our next-gen ministry. And I'm talking about birth through 12th grade. Everything that's going on, Rachel. I love what God is doing over here in this space. We have people coming in here first time. My kids loved it. Great. What God is doing with our next-gen high school ministries, cross-student ministries, I look and I'm like, "Ah." my two younger ones, Hannah and Caleb, get to be a part of sitting underneath the leadership of Rick and Kara. I'm like, are you kidding me? And knowing that they're going to be challenged to go out and share their faith, I love it. And they're returning today from Snowbird. And who knows what God's done to rock their world there. I got this email recently. I've attended many churches, but I've never been involved in an environment where the word was taught with such clarity and purpose. And the leadership was honest, posing with no mask or hidden agendas. The area of my life that God has impacted the most is in knowing that it's okay to be myself. I've learned not to focus on guilt and shame but to see how I can authentically contribute to God's master plan in spite of my failures. I have discovered that sharing Christ, it's not an agenda strategy or program, but it starts with being authentically interested in knowing and serving others, whether they look like me or not. This self-awareness occurred because 
of the teaching and fellowship with so many at the cross. And they've helped me through my identity crisis. I now believe the common thread that runs through our DNA is that we all have a yearning for love, acceptance, worth, and significance. And that will only be found in Jesus Christ. When I read these kind of stories and people are kind enough to send us notes in, I'm like, yes! Blinded eyes are seeing. People are feeling, man, hey, this is a place of restoration and healing. I, I just want God I just want God to speak into my life every day. I just want to be healed. I want to know that there's hope every day. Mama Kay, I just want to be a part of more of that. I want to see God transform more stories in days to come. And you're a crucial part of it. You sharing your story with other people. It will change you. My son Jesse is working at Aikens Ford. He came home the other day. He was telling me about this guy, Jim. He's like, yeah, yeah, I've known Jim for a long time. He goes, Jim told me the other day, Dad, that when he was working with the Braves, Catholic background out of New York, he told Jesse, he said, your dad is the one who challenged me to really examine where I was in my life, where I'm at in my faith journey. And your dad stepped into that space with me. He was telling Jesse that, that I feel proud. No, I felt broken and humble that this guy, some 20 years ago, surrendered to Christ, started taking his family to North Metro where they lived at the time, his daughter's now married to a youth pastor. And I was like, God redeemed that guy's story. God redeemed that guy's story. And I was like, oh, Jesse Cash, you a cash boy? I am. You think that my buddy Jim was going to love on that dude right there? Oh, my story changed. I met Jesus. And if you're able to step in that space with people, oh, I want to be a part of that. And I want that to be the narrative until I take my last breath. He went out sharing Christ with the nurses. They told him he wasn't going to live through the night, but he was sharing Jesus with this thinking dude that came in to clean the bed. Or, or wherever I'm at, he redeemed that last breath he had. He wasn't scared. No. And I think about this with what God has been doing in our church. And when you give and when you serve and when you love and reach out to other people, you're a part of this. Now, let's do it. Back to the 21 days. I want you to do this. And as you step into this space, 21 days of like deeper consecration and resolve with the Lord, pressing in with Jesus, download the app, bam, you can set the reminders you can set the date to start on the 16th, and you can set the time that it even starts. We'll have more clarity even going into next week. But tomorrow, this link will be on our website, right? And what Gre uh, Craig Rochelle and those guys at Life Church have done, uh, they're cutting edge with their technology and all. But this, th this is a great thing for us to step into. I'm going to encourage you over that 21-day period of time to spend some time fasting, which means you're stepping away from certain foods sugars, soft drinks, whatever it will be. I'm, I'm going to encourage you to do that. I'm going to encourage you to abstain and eliminate certain things in your space. I don't even know where I'm totally at with this, so I'm, I'm totally pushing social media away for 21 days. And I might just push it on out the door completely because it really has done very little to make my life simpler. So we're going to go ahead and push that one out of the way, Tim. We're going to eliminate sugar. Maybe for you, it's a 21-day thing of saying, you know what, I'm just going to drink water. 
if you've been battling any type of vices and you go, ah, but okay, well, you know, have a couple glasses of wine here and there, just push it on off the table for 21 days. And every time that you're tempted to get on social media or to go eat that brownie or whatever, whatever, whatever your issue is, talk radio, mm, just turn it off. Just play a little third day or say, hey, hey Nick, man, help me out. I, I need some worship stuff. News, especially with all the stinking hate that's going on there, turn it, just, turn, just, just turn it off. You hear me? Every time you're tempted to lean into it, it should be a reminder to press into Jesus. Every time you're tempted to lean in over here, it should be a reminder to press into him. And what you will find when you start to eliminate and take these things off your plate, Ron, what you'll, you'll, you'll find this out. You'll start to recognize some of the idols in your life that you didn't even know were idols. And so my son Benji is doing a 40-day fast right now. Uh, he don't tell anybody what he's doing, but mom and dad, Barb and I, were going to do dinner with he and Grace and them last night. So Benji goes, uh, hey, uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to be able to eat until later. I said, why? Well, I'm doing a 40-day fast. What do you mean a 40-day fast? What are you doing? Well, I'm not eating from sunup to sundown. Really? Well, that is not on that plan yet, son. <laughs> so you, I got on the Weather Channel, and I'm like, they said sundown yesterday was 6.36 p.m. I'm like, not happening. So, Barb, we're going to go eat. We're going to sit down and eat. We'll get it to go, and they can eat two hours later. That's right. God ain't calling me to that 40-day plan you're on. He called me to a 21-day plan <laughs> that I need to be on. But that boy is so disciplined, and he's like, but that's what he was, again, communicating. Tempted to eat, I'm pressing into the Lord. Tempted to eat, I'm getting a way to pray. And I think it's so healthy for us. One, it will cleanse us spiritually, but it can really help cleanse us physically, mentally, and emotionally as well. So let's get after it. Let's press into the Lord, and again, listen to the Holy Spirit, and he will identify idols in your life as you're doing this. Make sure, download the Bible app, make sure. If you don't have it, it'll be on our website tomorrow, and make sure that you're receiving the text updates that we send out, because we're going to encourage you through that process, okay? Now, I will tell you this. I will encourage you over that 21-day period of time for some of you, I would encourage you to go a day and just fast the entire day. Just fast. For some of you, it may be one or two meals. I don't know what, you, what God's going to call you to, but some of the best time I've had with the Lord is going through different fasts. Before I came here, before I ever started, I did a, a seven-day fast. And I'm like, I just mixed that lemon juice and maple syrup and shook it up in a jug of water, and that's what I did for seven days. But it got me away from everything, and I felt like I was really able to be clear before the Lord and press into the Lord. So I didn't do it because I'm spiritual. I did it because I really wanted to be clean and hear from the Lord. So some of y'all are sitting there going, I don't know if I can go a day without food. I got good news for you. You can go 40 days without food. Master did it in the wilderness. Now, I'm not saying you, you ought to go 40 days without water. You will die, but drink water. Cleanse your system, but use this as a time to press into deeper prayer. God, who are you burdening my heart with? What am I supposed to be eliminating right now? 
what's occupying space in my mind or heart that's not allowing me to become the person you want me to be? How much more should I give? How do I step out on a limb and become more generous? Where do I serve? All right? Wrapping it up with this. Nick, let's get ready to roll into prayer. But I would encourage you and even almost dare you to say, all right, God, seriously, as I prepare to move into this space of 21 days of a different consecration, I'm surrendering. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? Where do you want me to do it? God, illuminate me and show me some things that's hindering my walk with you. And, and I would encourage you. And I think this is where people jack it up. A lot of times we pray and we go, God, I want you to bless what I'm doing. Stop it. Start praying, God, help me to do what you want to bless. Help me to do what you want to bless. And just tell him, hey, you're going to do some cool things in this world today. You're going to do some cool things in this world over the next few days. I just want to be in a place of where I'm really hearing and able to receive from you. And would you allow me the privilege to just jump in on some of the things, Lord, that you're doing? I'm not asking you to bless what I want to do. I just, I'm asking you to illuminate my eyes to jump in and walk with what you're blessing. And I'm telling you, watch God work. I pray that over the next days and over the next weeks, that your testimony back to me, Nick, Dustin, Steve, whoever, would be this. Hey, as a result of pressing into the Lord, I was blind and didn't even know it, but now I can see. God has restored my vision, and the power of the Holy Spirit has total permission to permeate everything in me. God's doing a work in me. Hey, thank you so much for watching the message. Uh, we hope that you really pulled some things out of it. And just know that our desire is for every person, whether you ever step in this building or not, to become fully alive in Christ. Yeah, we want to see you committed to Christ. We would love to see you connected to others in a small group. And we believe it's important to uh, become a contributing member to the body of Christ through uh, sharing your faith, uh, as well as financially investing in the work of God. That's right. And so we pray that you're growing, that you're striving forward. There's so many resources on the website. You can watch past messages, your testimonies from people. But we pray that you utilize those. And we hope to see you on a Sunday morning. Hey, make it a great day and enjoy uh, the abundant life in Christ.